Hey, North Star, this is Scott once again bringing you a podcast this time, uh, updating you on a weekend message given this past weekend. Uh, I forgot to set up the recorder and now I am recording it in my office to make it widely available for those who were not able to be there in person. In this particular message, I was discussing resentment. Now, if you if you haven't been here the past couple weeks, uh, two weeks ago, we talked about what resentment looks like in community. And actually, one of the kind of minor points that I made in that message, it wasn't even a central point, is that part of our work in our in-community relationships, in our intimate relationships, is to believe that nobody is broken beyond repair. And what this means practically in these relationships is that we trust people well enough uh, we 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 trust people well enough. We trust people enough to trust them with our resentments. Uh, what do I mean by that? Uh, well, <clears throat> I'll recap a story I told uh, in that message, which is several times in my time at North Star, somebody has taken me out to lunch or called me on the phone and told me that I did something that either hurt them or uh, disappointed them or or something like that. And what's going on in those conversations, well, first of all, those are those are very difficult conversations to have with people. It's very hard to hear how you've let people down or, or disappointed somebody. But what I see in those conversations that I really appreciate is that somebody is trusting me with their resentment. It means that they are showing me that they don't think I'm broken beyond repair. They see me as somebody who can listen to their concerns and adjust to them, which shows that they have some hope for me. And I've learned a lot from that. I've learned a lot from how people have treated me. And it has given me a little bit of a vision for how in-community relationships ought to work, which is when we have an issue with somebody, we, we confront uh, that issue with that person because we believe uh, that they are not broken beyond repair. Now, it gets complicated when we start talking about relationships that are not intimate, where there isn't trust, where there isn't mutuality or reciprocity. And, it, you know, when you have a resentment with somebody who is not in an intimate relationship with you, uh, now they may be a family member, they may be somebody who you spend a great deal of time with, it may be a coworker, somebody who you have to see a lot, but that doesn't mean it's an intimate relationship. An intimate relationship has mutual respect uh, and, and, and generosity, and you have a shared uh, set of values that you're, that you're working out of, and, and you're both working to care for each other. Um, and, and so if the relationship doesn't have that, then it's not always a safe place to go and address resentment issues. Um, and that makes talking about forgiveness complicated when we start to look outside of our communities. And I say all this as a way of, pre of prefacing a, a question that I got after I gave that message. And the question was this. Somebody said, do you think I should not have gotten divorced? Uh, if I'm to believe that uh, nobody's broken beyond repair, should I have not gotten divorced? That's a really difficult question to answer. Now, I know a little bit about this person and their divorce, and I know that this person was a victim of some pretty uh, difficult stuff, let's just say, without going into any detail. 
now every situation is different. And in every relationship, we believe both people share some of the blame. But in this particular relationship, this person was greatly wronged and greatly wronged for a long period of time. And in such a way it, it, that it showed me that that the spouse never held up the marital vows in the first place. And uh, this, and if we're going to get really technical from a faith perspective about divorce, adultery is something that Jesus sort of gives permission for people to get divorced over. And that was one of the issues in this relationship. What all of that showed me is that even though they were married, they never had an intimate relationship where this person could trust their spouse with their resentments. And just because we believe that nobody's broken beyond repair, it doesn't mean we are necessarily obligated to remain in intimate relationship with people who are perpetually hurting us and showing no remorse. Now, all of that is sort of just a way of setting up what I talked about this weekend, which is what do we do with the resentment that we have from these non-intimate relationships? Uh, because it, it seems to me that, that our greatest life hurts, or at least the ones that are difficult to resolve, are the ones that are taking place from these relationships that seem like they should be intimate but are not. And they're relationships where we can't dialogue and where we can't address the issue. Or if we do address the issue, we end up diverting from that issue and talking about something else. But basically, they're relationships that should be more intimate than they are. And uh, they're relationships where we don't manage conflict well. We don't get to the point of resolution. We don't get to the, 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 the point where both parties own what they've done. And then move forward knowing that they're on the same page. And all of that got me thinking about the nature of forgiveness and resentment and the way that we talk about it in our culture today. And I'm troubled by what I see. There is so much pressure in our culture on victims to have to move from a place of being uh, wounded, legitimately wounded by something somebody else has done to them. Uh, they're supposed to move from that place to having total positive regard for the person who has wronged them. They're not supposed to have any lingering negative emotion, and if they do have lingering negative emotion, it's a sign that they haven't really forgiven. And so the, the resentment forgiveness spectrum tends to look like this in our culture. On one end of the spectrum, uh, it's a very short and narrow spectrum because on one side, you have resentment, which is sort of defined as any negative feelings uh, towards the person who's wronged you. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have this place of total forgiveness, which is the absence of all negative feeling. Uh, so it's, it's like a complete erasure of the harm that's been done. And it strikes me that this model of forgiveness does not appropriately take into account the reality of large harm. Uh, because when we are harmed in such big ways, when we're talking about abuse, trauma, and neglect, and other such things as this that come up really commonly in recovery ministry, I just don't see how one person is ever going to get to the place where they don't have any negative feelings towards their offender. So I've been looking for a new way to talk about this. And one of the stories that I was reminded of 
uh, is a story of uh, Joseph and his brothers. And I think we all remember that story. It takes place sort of in the latter section of Genesis. And, and Joseph's brothers are jealous and they and they throw him into a well. And they, maybe they were talking about killing him, but decide to simply uh, sell him into slavery. And so they get separated. And Joseph has this whole sort of journey where he um, rises to power in Egypt and he's sort of one of the top guys there and he's he becomes responsible for for well who knows what all he's responsible for but one of the things that he does is he anticipates a famine uh through a a vision that he has in a dream and so egypt is well prepared for the famine to come and they and they build up a lot of food now, meanwhile, it's been years and years and years since he's seen his brothers and they live elsewhere and they do not anticipate the famine and they don't have food. And so they end up going to Egypt to try to find food and they end up encountering Joseph and they have sort of some awkward interactions maybe and they don't recognize him at first and they don't know what's going on, yada, yada, yada. And when they do recognize him and they and they and they do uh, uh, they do realize what's what's happened and who he is and all of that kind of stuff. And they begin having this conversation and they ask him for forgiveness. And it seems to me that it's very sincere. Um, now, when we talked about this during the weekend message, you know, some people had a difficult time seeing that. They thought maybe that the, the brothers were trying to manipulate Joseph. But the way I read it, I think they were very uh, sincerely asking for forgiveness. Now, I started wondering as I read this, what are they actually asking for when they ask him for forgiveness? So, so they've gone to Egypt and now they've run into this guy who is uh, very, very powerful. He has the power to do just about anything to, to them that he wants. He could kill them. He could put them in slavery. He could put them in jail. Or he could withhold food from them, which is functionally killing them, right? Because we need food to eat. So I think what's going on here is that when the brothers are asking for forgiveness, what they're asking Joseph for is, uh, well, the, the question is something like this. Don't do anything really bad to me, right? It's, we don't want you to take action against us. We don't want you to withhold food from us. We don't want you to kill us. We don't want you to throw us in jail. We don't want you to put us in slavery. Please don't retaliate. That's what sort of at the core of that question is forgiveness, I think, in at least part of it is about non-retaliation. We have become very accustomed to thinking that our primary problem when it comes to resentment uh, is our feelings. And our feelings are obviously important, but are they the primary problem? I think that's a question we should wrestle with. Now, when this person who asked me about their divorce, uh, when we were having a conversation about that, you know, I began asking this person, well, how are you treating the spouse today? Are you poisoning your kids against this person? Are you bad-mouthing this person every chance you get? Or have you been unnecessarily nasty in the divorce proceedings? Have you, you know, yada, yada, yada on down the list. And I'm asking all these questions to see, are you retaliating against this person? And in fact, uh, the answer was that they have gone out of their way to avoid 
doing that. And yet this person was telling me that they couldn't forgive and hadn't forgiven and yada, yada, yada. And I said, well, why do you think you haven't forgiven? And they said, because I still have all this hurt and I still have all these negative feelings. And my response to that is, well, I don't know exactly what all the dynamics in forgiveness are, and I don't know exactly what the final step of forgiveness is. If it's the absence of all negative feelings, well, maybe this person is not quite there. But I suspect that the end goal of forgiveness, or let me back up, maybe we should say this, at least the first step in the journey towards forgiveness is non-retaliation. That is one of the things I learned from this story with Joseph and his brothers. And it's something that I think you see in several places in scripture as you look at stories where there are resentments and then somebody asks for forgiveness. What they're really asking for is non-retaliation. And so we get very distracted by our feelings and we get very distracted by our negative feelings. And in fact, we use our negative feelings to shame ourselves into thinking that we haven't forgiven and we're not people who are forgiving types of people. And we're not forgiving as God is forgiving. And I don't think that's actually the case. I think the first step, and I think it's a big step towards forgiveness, is non-retaliation. And so when we think about forgiveness as total positive feelings or we think of resentment as any negative feeling, I don't think we're being nuanced enough. If you haven't retaliated, good for you. That's a good thing. And you should give yourself credit for it. Uh, forgiveness is too hard. Uh, and getting rid of resentment is too hard for us not to recognize the places where we actually are doing something good by not contributing to, to furthering the harm that's been caused in the context of, of this relationship. And so um, if you're struggling with long-term resentment, what I would suggest is take a break from considering your feelings and pay attention to how you are treating the person who wronged you. If you're not retaliating, then I think you're well within your rights to pat yourself on the back and relax a little bit because that is a legitimately good and difficult thing to do. And if you are retaliating and you are hopeless, uh, then I suggest taking uh, advice that Teresa gave in one of her messages recently. She's been using this metaphor of umbrellas, that all of creation lives under the umbrella of God's love, and that each of the communities that we're in uh, is like a little umbrella under that big umbrella. And ideally, uh, these little umbrellas um, are also, uh, we're working together as communities to reflect God's love to the world. And so if you are somebody who is hopeless about somebody else's ability uh, to be, well, if you're hopeless thinking that somebody is broken beyond repair, and if you are retaliating against this person who you think is broken beyond repair, then trust that it is okay for you to release them from your umbrella. It's okay not to be in intimate relationship with them. And in fact, it's okay not to be in a close relationship with them. Because remember earlier, we talked about the distinction between we can be close to somebody and yet not an intimate relationship. You can release yourself from the burden of being close to them and trust that they will still be under the umbrella of God's love somewhere else. And that is an act of hope. It sounds kind of hopeless, releasing somebody uh, from a place of closeness in your life to one of distance. But if you do it 
knowing and believing that they are still under the umbrella of God's love and that God is powerful enough to transform people. That is an act of hope. Um, even as you say, you know what, I need my space while this happens. Hoping that someone is not broken beyond repair is not the same thing as being in intimate relationship while you hope. It is about trusting in God's ability to transform. It's not about trusting that other people are better than we think they are. And I'm afraid that's what people have heard when I say that we, that we hope or trust that nobody's broken beyond repair. I'm not saying that people are better than we think they are. I'm saying that God is so powerful uh, that he can transform even people that we're quite hopeless about. And we can trust him to be the one that does that work. And we can trust others to be in relationship with those people while God does that work. And in that way, though we may feel hopeless, we are actually quite filled with hope. So I thank you for listening to this. The bottom line is, I think the number one thing I would like you to take away is that uh, it's okay to have some negative emotions about our resentments and our issues where forgiveness maybe hasn't fully taken place yet, as long as we're managing the things which are within our control. And retaliation is totally within our control. And if you're not doing that, good for you. And if you are doing that, well, you know what your work is. Uh, and either way, we can be and live as hopeful people even while we deal with our hopelessness about the difficult things that are around us. So once again, thank you for listening. Um, you can find us on the web. If you've, if you've stumbled upon this podcast, you can find North Star Community on the web at www.northstarcommunity.com. The royalty-free music uh, that you hear in this podcast was provided by Blue Dot Sessions, and they can also be found on the web at sessions.blue. Um, we thank you for listening. We appreciate your support.